Hi there. Welcome to Finding Space with Alex Tyson, the show that celebrates the everyday legends who put in the hard work to become who they want to be and live the life they want to live. For people who understand that when we practice compassion and find wisdom within ourselves, we find success and happiness. Join me in hearing amazing stories from everyday individuals who have found incredible personal and professional growth through varied and, at times, wild methods of self-improvement and self-responsibility, and through their unique perspectives and work, have gone on to better the lives of those around them. From nurturing health to growing your wealth, or enjoying the present to crafting your future, no aspect of life is off-topic. G'day everyone, how's it going? Welcome to Finding Space with Alex Tyson. I'm your host, Alex Tyson. I hope you're having a good day. I hope you've uh, achieved some things you want to achieve or maybe it's first thing in the morning and you're just up and you're just tuning in, maybe you're having a sauna, whatever you're doing. I hope you're feeling good, feeling good in your body, good in your mind, feeling calm, but it's all right if you're not. Maybe you're stressed, maybe you just need to chill out, maybe you've got a bunch of stuff you just need to get done. That's all good, wherever you're at. I hope deep inside uh, there's some contentment there for you. As you guys know, recently I released my first book, Health Supercharged, How to Use Infrared Sauna and Shift Your Lifestyle to Become Healthier. If you're interested in infrared sauna or if you're just interested in taking your health to a higher level, check it out. You can search it on Amazon, search Health Supercharged, or you can head to foundspace.com.au, head to the accessories page where you can buy a copy of the book there. All the proceeds go to Rainforest Rescue, an amazing charity in the northern area of Australia, helping regenerate some of the lost rainforest. So check the book out if you're interested in learning about the fundamentals of health and if you're interested in learning about how beautiful infrared sauna is and the many different areas of our health and wellness landscape that it can influence positively, check the book out. I've had some good feedback on it, so you'll enjoy it. (laughs) And there's a cool little bit at the end about uh, creating a ritual and making space for these healthy practices in our day-to-day life. So check it out, Health Supercharged. And as always, if you're enjoying the podcast and you're enjoying the interviews with some of the amazing guests that we're having on, give it a like, give it a rating, or send an episode to one of your mates. I know you guys do this anyway, but uh, I like to put it out there. Have you ever been to dinner and told someone that you weren't going to have the meat on the menu? Or have you ever been out with some mates? Maybe you've been out to the footy, maybe you've been out with some of the girls for some drinks and had to tell your friends uh, or your family that you're not drinking that night. The separation that can come is really interesting. Like that social separation, that void really appears and becomes known to everyone in that moment. Sometimes the questions can ensue, well, what do you mean you're not drinking? Like, mate, you're out with the boys or what do you mean you're not having meat? What, like, where are you going to get your protein from? <laughs> you know, these kind of questions. It's a really interesting space and it's really hard to navigate sometimes. Now, I'm not saying that we should all stop eating meat or we should all stop drinking. Those are just two examples I'm using of a way that this void can be created in our social connection. And the conversation that I have today really explores that and explores a way that perhaps we can navigate that conversation in a more healthy manner or perhaps just avoid not even avoid, that's the wrong word, right? Language is important. Just not engage with that particular conversation. Today I'm speaking with Andy Miller. Andy Miller is the co-founder of the Australian beer company, Heaps Normal. In this episode, we talk about beer, the process to actually make non-alcoholic beer whilst still using the same four ingredients of beer, how Heaps Normal got off the ground, We explore the true reasons we drink and how to showcase that in a positive light. And we explore the future of Heaps Normal and the Australian beer industry. Plus, we just get into some really fun and interesting conversations about the general landscape of alcoholism, of drinking in Australia, and what that can be analogous for in other areas of our life. This is not a podcast where we preach about not drinking alcohol, so don't worry. It's a really interesting conversation with a fascinating person. And so I give you Andy Miller. Andy Miller, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It is an absolute pleasure to have you here. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Looking forward to chatting. So you're in Thailand right now. How long have you been there? And I'm curious to hear about what what led you there. Uh, I've been in Thailand, in Bangkok, since January this year. And 
the thing that led me over here was my my wife, my partner, um, being posted for her work with the Australian government. Uh, but it was also a really interesting opportunity for Heaps Normal as a business. We've been distributing through Southeast Asia for almost a year now, and um, so it was a really great opportunity for us to see what else we can do in the region. Yeah, so you're kind of going over there with a bit of bit of business purpose to kind of get some energy into the into the region. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's a, you know, it was one of those things where it did, we we just needed to make it work because we we had to make the decision as a family to move. But I think it's been a really positive thing. Yeah, cool. And where where were you residing before that? Uh, in Canberra. So we started the business in Canberra, but um, yeah, several of our team and two of the founders, Benny and Pete, are Sydney-based. And and so for us, we've sort of, we're really proud of our Canberra roots, but this is, um, yeah, Heaps Normal has become a, um, for us, from our perspective, it's, it's an independent Australian beer company. I love that. Sort of being from a particular place. Yeah, yeah, nice. And so you've gone from absolutely freezing at this time of year to being pretty nice and warm at this time of year. Yeah, yeah, freezing over here at the moment is um, is uh, dropping below thirty degrees, um, <laughs> and and maybe, and below eighty percent humidity. So <laughs> no, no such thing in Bangkok. And so, what brewing experience did you have when Heaps Normal kind of cooked up? I mean, we'll we'll talk a bit more about how it all kind of took off and how you got into that space. But I mean, it's not like you just decide, oh, there's a market here. Let's just set up a brewery right so like yeah what kind of experience did you have leading into that space i worked for for a couple of different um, craft brewers in australia and and for you know several alcohol brands in, in my career i don't have technical brewing experience i'm not a brewer myself but that was my experience in the brewing industry um more more from a marketing um point of view marketing and brand strategy but it gave me a really you know interesting kind of keen sense on on um, what it took to create a successful beer company and I met some really interesting people along the way like Ben Holdstock who is he's not our head brewer per se but he's got more than 15 years of brewing experience and he's the brewer in our in our founding team yeah okay cool you were kind of more the the marketing and the and the message kind of guy right yeah yeah that's right and then Pete being the, the more visual brand guy. And so how did it kind of, how did it come together for Heaps Normal? Like how did you guys kind of stumble upon each other and, and think, oh, there's something here? So Pete came up with this crazy idea to do a non-alcoholic beer and it was something he was really excited about. Um, I think, you know, because of, you know, his history um, with, with alcohol in his family and uh, he called me up and um, I think he'd, he'd sort of spoken to a couple of other people that maybe weren't so enthusiastic about the idea and he called me up and I was, I, I immediately just thought it sounded like a really exciting challenge and in a totally new space as well from, you know, that no, not many people were, were looking at at the time. And so I immediately then called Ben and, um, you know, said, you know, hey, would you be able to help us, you know, develop a a recipe for a non-alcoholic beer and again sort of um was half expecting ben to sort of laugh me off the phone uh, or sort of politely decline but he um yeah he was really up for it and he saw it really as a challenge um, because there's no it's really difficult to create a, a beer that carries you know all of the flavors you'd expect without the alcohol and well, I think a lot of brewers would look at, or did look at the challenge and go, well, what's the point of brewing beer without alcohol? Benny saw that as a really interesting challenge to be solved from a brewing perspective. Yeah, I mean, isn't it the nature of fermentation that alcohol can be created? <laughs> yeah, it is. And our beer undergoes that same process of fermentation, but Benny over the course of six months, sort of re, reworked a lot of different steps in that traditional brewing process to create a process with, without getting too technical, a lot less sugar in the recipe to begin with that could be potentially fermented into alcohol. And on top of that, 
we've we use uh, a, a yeast, um, which is obviously that's the organism that turns the sugar into alcohol, and we use a yeast that is a non-traditional variety, which it selectively chooses which sugars it it turns into alcohol. So it it undergoes a fermentation, so we get those nice fermented flavours in our product, but it only ever ferments to around 0.5% alcohol, and usually then the finished product is is slightly under that. So it's only a very, very trace amount of alcohol, which you, you know, cannot make you intoxicated and isn't um, doesn't affect you know most people at all. It's kind of like drinking kombucha or something, right? Yeah, exactly. It's the same same as drinking kombucha or kombucha, and and in fact, a lot of other foods have a naturally occurring amount of alcohol that's sometimes even more than what we're talking about in in uh, in our beer. Yeah, I mean, it's my understanding that like foods can even create alcohol when they're fermenting in our gut. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. And um, like an overripe banana, for example, like can also have that sort of alcohol or, or more store-bought fruit juice that sits in your fridge for a couple of days can can also kind of um, create uh, some alcohol. So, yeah. Yeah, that's fascinating, man. So is it like, and you can just tell me that like Alex can't go there, but is it like a trade <laughs> secret to what you were talking about there as to the yeast only being selective with the sugars that it that it works on? Or is it is the trade secret more around how you generate the beautiful beer flavours that you do through the process, but everyone knows how to do it? without generating alcohol like is it or is it a bit of both uh look it's a bit of both i mean we were we were the first brewery in australia to commercialize the yeast variety that we're using but having said that it's it is commercially available um so that's not necessarily a major trade secret i think it's definitely more in the process and the recipe that that we've developed in-house for developing our product and yeah certainly i, I think the fact that there are there are so many different you know non-alcoholic beers out there that all taste quite different. Many of them using the same yeast that we're using is a credit to you know the fact that that the the process and the recipe has quite a profound impact on the end product. Mm, yeah, really interesting. And and this kind of comes at a time where in popular culture, like non-alcoholic drinks are really becoming more and more known. Like even just earlier in the week, I was out for dinner. And we were, it was like our nine, it was my fiance and I's nine year anniversary. And so we're out for dinner and having a good time. Thanks, man. And, uh, and there was some non-alcoholic drinks on the menu, which normally I'm not interested in. Like, I'll just have some water or kombucha or something, but I saw a non-alcoholic drink and I was like, oh, okay, I'll give it a go. So I ordered a a non-alcoholic G&T, which when I got it and sipped it, it tasted exactly like a G&T. And it really, it, it made me laugh because I was like, I actually never liked G&Ts in the first place, <laughs> but it was the novelty, <laughs> it was the novelty of it being non-alcoholic, which I thought was quite cool. And, and these things are just becoming more and more known. And, and, and overseas in Europe, like they're, they're quite big and they're really pushing the marketing for non-alcoholic beer. And I see that kind of filtering into Australia, but you guys are kind of ahead of the curve in that sense. But it, it sounds like, it sounds like it just kind of happened organically. You, you weren't seeing an opportunity in the market other than you thought it'd be cool to try it out, right? Yeah, we were really scratching our own itch when it came to it. You know, we all had a different reason for wanting to cut back um, our uh, drinking. Pete's sort of since gone, you know, totally sober. He's off the booze completely. Benny and I still really enjoy, you know, a nice glass of wine every now and again, a few kind of different, different beers. When we go out, really enjoy kind of exploring those different flavours. But um, yeah, we we started it for our own because you know there wasn't anything else out there that appealed to us as beer drinkers, and so it was a, a happy accident that there that we discovered that there were a lot more people like us out there who didn't necessarily identify as sober, but who were facing that same challenge for themselves around you know wanting to cut back in some way, shape, or form. And for some reason that was meaningful to them, um, but just didn't want to be told how much they should or shouldn't be drinking. Um, so, you know, we, we just wanted to create a great tasting product that tasted like a beer and was, you know, a real beer without, you know, needing to kind of preach 
in in the process. Yeah, how do you balance that line? Because it's such a drinking out, and and I I know this from my own personal experience as I went through changing my routines, and, and I'm sure many people can relate. Like you have that uh, you have that moment where you, you go out with your mates, and you're like, I'm not having a drink tonight, and they're like, Whoa, <laughs> like. <laughs> people get triggered and like, it's this weird conversation and it's like this separation of like, now I'm here and you're there. And it's like this weird thing. And you guys are like smack bang in the middle of that. You know, how do you kind of navigate that conversation with people who are choosing to purchase your beer and you guys obviously being for that, like, Hey, like you don't have to go sober, but it's like a good thing. It's like, how do you kind of balance that line? Well, yeah, it's a funny one. I think we all, have at some point or probably some of us still do like take it quite personally when somebody you know tells us that it's their decision that they're deciding not to drink it's almost like I think they're saying no to the social interaction rather than saying no to the drink and and so I think that's maybe why at least I have sort of felt that way in the past but we on the flip side I've also been on the other end of the conversation where you just don't want to answer that question, you know, why aren't you drinking 20 times in a night just becomes exhausting. So, um, you know, we we wanted to create a product that, you know, looked good in the hands, tasted, you didn't have to convince yourself that you were drinking um, a beer because it just tasted like a, like a regular beer. And that that for us was a big part of it. Like we're not, we're not screaming zero alcohol on the can and we don't spend a lot of time energy as a business talking about the benefits of non-alcoholic beer or, or the kind of doom and gloom of issues associated with excessive alcohol consumption. What we try to focus on as a brand, and I think that filters through to the conversations that people that we have, certainly in social environments and, and hopefully that other people in our community are having as well, is you know what what's the kind of stuff that's like that excites you, that that you love, that you want to spend all of your time on that is so much more important to you than writing yourself off. Because for us, it's not about drinking or not drinking. It's just about the choice that you're making to, you know, prioritize, you know, one something over something else. And if if you're reflecting on what's important to you, and as we put it, you know, for heaps normal, like the stuff that's too good to be wasted, then if you're reflecting on what the, whatever that is for you, then you're probably you're going to come up with something that works, you know, for you, and that's sort of all all we can ask, really. Mm. Yeah, it's, does that uh, answer your question? Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I mean, it got <laughs> it got me to a really interesting place thinking about all the Sunday mornings that can be written off because we're making a choice that we perhaps that doesn't suit us ultimately. You know, it doesn't kind of fit in with ultimately where we want to be as a person. And I like that too around that conversation can become really exhausting. Um, And I actually think, and you can probably talk more of this than I can, but I I actually think it opens up a more interesting conversation. Yes, about heaps normal, like, yeah, I'm drinking this thing, I'm an alcoholic and whatever. But to me that like it opens up a more deep conversation because to what you were saying there, like it allows us to, not be written off the next day. And so why is that? You know, we don't want to be written off because there's probably something greater, bigger, more important that we're working on as an individual or as a community that we want to be able to put our energy into and not have it wasted because we had too many wines the night before or we drank a six pack and now we feel like shit, you know? So I I think there's something really interesting there and in in it kind of opening that space for people. I think it's really cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, sort of that's what motivates us. You know, whether it's you know working on your business or working on your your music, spending more time with your family, you know, getting up early for a surf, like whatever whatever it is, there's probably a, if you, if if we all think about it, I think we've all got we've all got something that is probably higher on the list than vegging on the couch, feeling like shit, ordering Uber Eats, you know, like it's on a Sunday morning. Like that's probably not like if you really think about it, the the stuff that's at the top of your list. Hundred percent, man. I hear you're a surfer. Is there good surf in Thailand? <laughs> no, there's. I mean, there can be, but it's very unpredictable, and it's a long way from Bangkok. And um, I was quite 
disappointed. I, bought, I got myself a new board before I came over and I was all What'd pumped. So kept, kept it in the family and got a, a Smith Shapes from Geordie, who's our fourth co-founder. Cool. He has a cosmic fish, um, so it's really fun. How long? Five, ten. Nice. So it's, I'm six, I'm six, one. So it's short for me, and um, but it's still meaty enough for someone of my um, quite amateur surfing ability uh, to to still get heaps of waves, which is important. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Actually, I just I'm uh, in inches. I think I'm like five nine, and I just went down to a a, a six foot fish. Actually, nice, nice, meaty. I can get on a wave, uh, but uh, yeah, it's there's still a bit of room for me to, you know, get a bit sharper. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I overestimated my ability with board choices for for most of my uh, surfing life. So it's finally, it's good to finally have a have a board that just, you know, lets you get out there and have a bit of fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so hold on, you were in Canberra. Where were you surfing? You must have had to do some <laughs> trips to the coast, right? Yeah, I would, whenever, I was driving to Sydney to meet with Benny and Pete all the time and, uh, and also with with customers early on in the business as well. So anytime I would be driving to Sydney, I'd always throw my board in the back of the car and hope that I got a gap in between meetings and shoot shoot out for a, for a quick surf at Maribra or up to the northern beaches where Pete normally likes to to surf. Nice. There's some good surf around there. I haven't surfed there personally, but I've been there before. I surfed and recognised there's some good spots around there. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, nice. This episode is brought to you by Found Space. We are now open in Australia and New Zealand. Ready to make a change? Looking for infrared sauna? Make your home a place of wellness to live a longer and healthier life. Head to foundspace.com.au or foundspace.co.nz to learn more. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think coming back to that question, so like how do you kind of not get in people's faces besides obviously the branding, uh, but how, how do you get your message out there and, and help people understand it's non-alcoholic without putting the message through, hey, you should not be drinking alcohol? Oh, yeah. How do you kind of toe that line? I think, like I was saying, I think we just try to focus on the stuff that has nothing to do with alcohol really. It's it's the stuff that is made better by, by having a beer and socialising. Like but I guess... What we arrived at is that looking at our own um, drinking behaviour, we, we tried to ask ourselves what that bigger question was around, like, why do we drink? Like, what is it? And some of the reasons that we came up with for ourselves were, were came back to that, you know, that social connection, that connection with people, you know, being, being out, you know, experiencing, like having shared experiences together that, that are kind of inspiring and enjoyable, like whether it's live music or going to a footy match. Um, or hanging out at the beach, um, having a picnic with a bunch of mates or whatever it is. And so, yeah, if you're asking yourself that question, why are you drinking? Like, I think it's, you know, for, for us, like we, we sort of felt like we'd, we'd got to this point, certainly, you know, Benny, Pete and I, when we were discussing starting Heaps Normal, we sort of noticed that meeting up for a beer had become a pastime in itself. And that was a disconnect, I think. That was a sign for us personally that, you know, drinking isn't, and I think we, we see that in some of the stories that we tell each other as well, like in our social groups, you know, like, what did you do last night? Auntie Donna have a fun skit, I think, that, that talks to exactly this. It's really, it's great. I just saw it recently. Um, What's the skit? They, are the, I think one of them, they're, they're, it's a few mates and, and one of them says, oh, what did you get up to last night? And then they, in a, in a melodic kind of musical kind of way, like they tend to do, the, the friend sort of starts talking about, well, first I, you know, first I had a six pack, then I had a cocktail, then I had a this, and then they're like, yeah, yeah, but what did you do? And then like they keep going, well, then I had a, like a bottle of tequila and then I had a glass of wine and then I, you know, and and it was a kind of interesting reminder of that original thought that we had in you know, in in talking about starting heaps normal, where you know the because we were asking ourselves that question, like what's the point? What's the point of non-alcoholic beer? And why do we drink? Like some of these big questions. And we realised in the course of that conversation that it 
can very easily and had for us become a habit. You know, you just you meet up for a beer after work, you meet up on a Saturday to have a beer with mates and you know, you're still you're getting that social interaction inherently, I think, but it becomes more about the beer than it does about what you're actually doing or who you're spending the time with and 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 also I think about having meaningful conversations rather than just sort of, you know, small talk with strangers around the front bar. It, it sort of it feels less exciting, I think, that the latter feels less exciting to me. So I've probably gone off on a massive tangent. No, again. no, 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 no. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. So in some ways it's kind of analogous. I think it's analogous to even like having a coffee, you know, or yeah. even going shopping. It's the same. It's the same thing that we're kind of after there, you know. That's it. Yeah, it's that connection. It could be with others. Um, it could be just with yourself. Like, you know, the amount of times I've heard, as you say, the stories around, I don't actually have to drink coffee. I can go without it, but it's that ritual. It's that morning thing, you know, and you're like, oh, there might be a story there, but there might not be. But the fact is, is that it's that connection. Like you have that time, you have your coffee. It's that time with yourself before, you know, everything else happens in the world and, and it's a similar, can be a similar thing with shopping. I, I guess it can be a similar thing with gambling even, you know, these other things which typically are, are, could be around connection but end up just being about the thing and not being about what we originally set out to do. Totally. And I think for that reason, that's why we came and came to the conclusion for ourselves and you know, the, we're open to the fact that, you know, not everyone comes to the same conclusion, but it, it helped us answer that question of like, well, what's the point? Because for us, the point was not that it had, there was alcohol in the beer. The point was that we were setting that time aside to go, to hang out with friends, to have a conversation, to make that connection with someone that we cared about. Or, you know, we were making that time to go out and do something for ourselves, like see a gig or, or go to a footy match. And it wasn't the fact that there was alcohol in the beer that um, really had had much to do with that. And certainly beyond Beyond a few beers, you know, the alcohol, I think there's a there's diminishing returns on, <laughs> on, on the amount of <laughs> <laughs> on beers above and beyond uh, that that sort of amount. But so yeah, the, and so if you're drinking beer for the taste, or you, you or you're drinking beer because you want to meet up with mates, and or you're drinking beer for these other reasons, like that, you want to get more out of it than than what the alcohol gives you, then they're they're, they're the reasons, I think, um, that why non-alcoholic beer for us is a has a reason to exist. It's not, it's not a judgment. Um, it's not a replacement. It's just an option. Mm. Yeah, I really like that angle. It's really nice. It makes me think of also, you know, we talk about that separation, that social separation. Um, it's no different to when you're eating or choosing to not eat something choosing to not eat meat, you know, and you go out with your friends and you're like, oh, I'm just going to have that. And they're like, well, what do you mean? Like, where are you going to get your protein from, you know? And I can see this kind of link between like some, between heaps normal and then some of the really nice, like high quality vegan meats. It's like, it's not because that, that person who's choosing not to eat animals feels like they want to eat a steak <laughs> because they need to eat the steak like from a physiological perspective. It's just because it gives them an option to feel like they can have something similar to what their friends are having. And I kind of like that that angle on it because it kind of takes the edge off what can be another awkward conversation when you start to eat differently uh, from, you know, if you go vegan or if you go vegetarian and you want to have something like that. I really kind of like that. Yeah, 100%. And I've had similar conversations with um, my really good friend, childhood friend and, and founder of Fable Food Co, who do you know, plant-based meat alternatives. Mm. And they've got a similar take when it comes to you know, vegetarian options or plant-based options as we do when it comes to non-alcoholic beers. They're not specifically out there, you know, targeting, trying to preach to um, the vegan community just as we're not out there trying to, you know, preach to the choir of people who, who have, you know, off the booze. I think for us it's, it's much more exciting to, to kind of to look at how we can 
change the stories that we tell, change the, the, the drinking culture, the culture around kind of beer and just change the, the create a new segment, a new kind of way of approaching socialising with a drink and doing that with people like us who are, who are you know, still enjoying regular beers and, and um, but, you know, looking for a, an alternative every now and again. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's really cool. I, I just got this vision of like the next found space party is going to be like heaps normal beer and like fable and <laughs> meat. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Um, yeah, how do you, okay, so now I'm thinking, well, okay, there's a percentage of the population who alcohol and the association with alcohol is not a good one. They've worked really hard to try and stop drinking. I'm thinking, does that does a drink like a non-alcoholic drink that tastes exactly like beer, can that potentially be a trigger for these people, which they should otherwise try and avoid? But this is kind of like I can already hear the stories like, oh, but it's not, it hasn't got alcohol in it, you know, or it yep. tastes like it, but it's not the same thing, so I'm fine. I, I feel like there could be a bit of a grey area there. The alcohol content's not the problem. And I, I say I'm, I'm generalising, of course, there's, there's always an exception and um, you know, we always sort of say that people should you know, consult their doctor if they're kind of worried about um, their own personal circumstances and how it might be affected by, by that kind of trace amount of alcohol or, the, or our product in general. But now that we've got all of their kind of caveats out of the way. <laughs> yes, no, it's important. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I think our view on it is that, yeah, it definitely can be triggering for some people it tastes exactly like a beer. There's people that have said to us that they can't tell the difference. Like when we first brewed a, our trial batch, we gave some of the blank cans um, out to bartenders and, and brewers and and mates and, and didn't tell them that it was non-alcoholic. And a lot of them thought that it was a mid-strength beer. So it definitely can be triggering. And so I think what we tend to say is is that it's just about kind of understanding your own limits and your own triggers um, and if something that tastes exactly like beer is going to be triggering for you then yeah maybe kind of um yeah consider whether it's the right the right kind of thing to to use heaps normal or or maybe um explore other options like i think there's some really kick-ass kind of non-alcoholic options out there um like non for example that doesn't, in my opinion, doesn't necessarily taste like you would expect regular wine to taste like, but it's it's really delicious, like adult kind of flavors and like um, yeah. So in that sense, there's there's so many options like that that are out there that that aren't necessarily going to be triggering um, if you have that kind of issue with the flavors of beer. Mm. Yeah, it's really hard because dealing with something like like that. There's a lot of psychological depth to it. And some people, you know, and, and, and that could be alcohol. It could be, you know, alcohol, coffee, shopping, gambling, whatever your thing is. It could be something, it could be buying classical music or something, you know, like whatever yep. it might be. Um, and yeah, and, and there can often be a lot to unpack psychologically as to, as to why um, one person, someone will go for, for something like that or, or use it as a way to distract to not accept the moment and, and, and that kind of thing. Um, and, yeah, I can see how it could get a bit curly when something like this comes in is like not dealing with the problem, you know, like, and I'm not talking about like someone with excessive kind of um, like alcoholism as an example, but just someone who is using it as an escape and this is a great way to kind of get around that whilst not really dealing with the problem. Um, so it's it's really interesting to explore and, and, and to what you said, I think being really aware of where you're at, I think is really, really important. Um, and I talk from personal experience, man. Like I went through this journey of fasting and, and eating so cleanly and so strict. Like I was eating only fruits during the day and then like soft leafy greens with like lettuce, tomato, avo for dinner, some nuts, right? I did that for like a year and a half, did another fast and now I'm way less strict with it. But I really got to tune in to what the mind can do when it's trying to come up with a reason as to 
eat something that at the time I didn't want to. And the mind's pretty fucking tricky, man. <laughs> no, and for me, it was, I was choosing at the time not to eat cooked food, uh, but that could be replaced with alcohol or it can be replaced with coffee. And something like this would fit into that space. It would be easier to justify whilst not dealing with the, the, the reasons as to why I don't want to be eating it and, and where those triggers are coming from. So, yeah, right. So, was that a, it sounds like that might have been an example of um, where you know something good can can become a negative. Like, was that the case for you when it was you know in, when it comes to came to um, not eating cooked food? Yeah, it's a good question. I think the tr- the truthful answer to that is I don't know. Like, if I'm really honest with myself, because. I, like I'm one who goes to extremes sometimes, but also when we go to extremes, we learn our limits. And I went to the extreme, man. Like after my second fast, I was 47 kilos. I wasn't eating any fats, fruits only. Like you can't eat any cleaner than what any, like any more simple, you know? Um, and, and that's how I was eating. And through that, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about the mind. I learned a lot about the body. And so I wouldn't change it. And I actually love that period in my life. Coming out of that, I learned though that there were times and it wasn't all the time when I was beating myself up had I, you know, eaten too much avocado or something for dinner, you know, that is like, uh, that's not healthy, <laughs> you know. And so yep. like going through that experience, I now know that and know that the mind can kind of go there. So, um, yeah, there's definitely, you can definitely go go to extremes and, and trying to be healthy, you can actually end up being not healthy in other ways, most definitely. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, what, what did you, um, I'm curious what, did, what you learned about yourself in, in kind of going to those ex, that, that extreme because I think, um, yeah, it's a really interesting idea, I think, of, you know, that maybe a lot of us don't get to experience these days because there's so many, you know, safeguards in place. You don't get to kind of test yourself a lot of the time. But what, like what did, how did you, what did you learn about yourself when, by getting to that kind of extreme level? Yeah, I, I learned I learned a lot, you know, in, in that state. So like I said, eating so light and uh, being quite skinny, not very strong, the sense of of like oneness with the world, I know this sounds a bit out there, but is really strong. And the sense of connection you have with others is really beautiful and it feels deeper than anything. And like the connection with source, again, sound a bit woo-woo, but it's it's really strong. Um, you know, those virtues of of compassion uh, for yourself and for others and acceptance and like true and deep love for one another and for yourself, like those virtues seem to really rise to the surface when you're in that state. And also like your cognitive cognitive ability is really like you are sharp, like you you, you can sense things that otherwise are kind of dulled down. Matthew McConaughey talked about that when he was prepping for um, the, the machinist. He had to drop weight down to like this silly level and he was saying like his cognitive ability was really sharp and it's true. At that level, the brain is really switched on. Um, but then there's the other side of it, you know, like I <laughs> struggled to do squats, you know, because I had no muscle left and uh, like say so the physical body, um, especially right after a fast, really really kind of suffered and I just learned like that the, the the chemistry in the brain really has an effect on on your thoughts and your feelings and your emotions uh, and yeah like having having balance in that is really important um, and the foods that you put in will really shape the way that you perceive the world yeah amazing and so how do you use that now because it sounds like it sounds like a you know you kind of arrived there by accident in a way in, into that state like obviously you were taking some deliberate steps, but you got to that kind of extreme state, you know, maybe unexpectedly. So then like how do you how do you use like that as a tool now, like to, to kind of sharpen sharpen the mind, like how to get the benefits of what you experienced without the downsides? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the most profound thing that I learned through that experience was you know, we're both in positions of, of leadership, um, running, running businesses. And for me, if I, could, if I could simplify that down to one thing, it's leading from a place of love is the most powerful thing that I learned in that. You know, leading from a place of love, not fear, uh, you can create anything in this world, you know, and, and 
that's probably my my biggest takeaway. Obviously, a deeper understanding about myself and 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 how I how I think and how I tick. And hey, I'm only fucking 29, man, so <laughs> I have a lot to learn. <laughs> but when you go to that place, you really see what's in there inside, you know. Um, but yeah, I would say I would say leading from a place of love, especially in business. And it was at a time when, and, and even now, I feel like. I have a responsibility, you know, we have 25 full-time staff around Australia and New Zealand now. I have a responsibility to be clear, to be level-headed, to be sharp, you know, and through doing that and even the way that I'm living now, I feel like I can be fully there for our team and therefore our customers around Australia, around New Zealand to make sure that they're getting incredible product, incredible value, like, and, and the essence of what we do at Found Space really flows through everything we do. I feel like it's important for me to be in that place to be able to make those kind of right decisions around where we go as a business and make sure everyone's looked after and, 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 and the customers are looked after. You know, we treat them like, like family just as we do our internal team because people who are looking to improve their health and, and doing that with us, like it's a really vulnerable place. And so for me, I feel like it's important to be really clear and level-headed when, when running a business like we do, you know. Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, thanks. I've, I've already fulfilled my intention now. I've learned, just learned something that I think I can take forward. Yeah, nice, nice man. Um, but hey, this is supposed to be your interview, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it's yeah, it's a really, it's a really cool space. Um, so yeah, I actually there was one last question I did want to make sure that I asked you. So, where do you see this kind of sector? going like where do you see non-alcoholic beer going where, where's heaps normal focusing your efforts at the moment but then also like where do you see the whole space growing over the next few years around the world yeah i think it's it's really exciting i think that non-alcoholic beer is um going to be a, a big part of the global beer market into the future certainly not going anywhere and at the moment particularly in australia where we're still very much on the ground floor when it comes to, I think, the consumer appetite um, that we're going to see for non-alcoholic beer and other non-alcoholic options. And I think there's a few things that point to that. Some of the bigger, much bigger players that have a lot more um, data behind them than we do as a small business. You know, big companies like Heineken are seeing that um, by 2025, uh, I think it's roughly 23% of their total beer volume sold in Australia will be non-alcoholic from within within their non-alcoholic portfolio. So that's a huge, huge call, I think, from an alcohol company, of, uh, no, no less, you know, who, uh, who aren't really incentivized to, to be sort of um, bullish when it comes to non-alcoholic category. And I think more anecdotally, it's really exciting for us to see, you know, how we personally saw this product benefiting our own lives, seeing that really take hold in not only our community, but in the beer community, beer category, um, you know, amongst beer consumers more generally, where we're hearing stories and, and seeing, you know, people, you know, just using this product to go you know, one-for-one one to space out their drinks and have, you know, that have a have a VB or a Grifter or a, or a Four Pines, you know, um, and and then, or a Stomping Ground if you're in the Southern States, and then um, then have like a heaps normal in between, you know, or and go go one-for-one. One. You know, we're seeing people go to the bottle shop and grab a six-pack of their favourite craft beer or their, their favourite beers and, the, and then, a, you know, a four-pack four, four pack of heaps normal as well and just using that to kind of have like to get you know the best of both worlds mm. yeah that's really interesting man i mean you guys are, are quite literally influencing drinking culture of one of the i would imagine the most sturdy drinking cultures in the world being australian drinking culture and you guys are actually having an influence over the way that people plan out their nights based on the beer that you guys sell oh that's really that's amazing. Like that's so exciting to hear. If that's you know, if that's the case, and you know, we're we're seeing early signs of you know, like I said, anecdotally, like that um, you know, people are starting to make those kinds of decisions. But yeah, I think we're just stoked to be part of this. I think this movement that um, is a. Uh, it sounds 
yeah, a bit, bit of a wank maybe, <laughs> but it, but we genuinely <laughs> see it as a movement, um, and it was something that you know people a lot smarter than us, you know, have seen similar things in in other categories, like in in the kind of music music sector, for example. You know, they've seen movements, you know, come and go through through those areas of of um, culture, and and it's been those people, you know, like one of our investors. Chad and Comerford, who founded Universal Music Group, you know, he was one of the first people, I think, that said to us, like, this is a movement. You know, you guys are part of this movement um, that's happening and and we're really excited to be, you know, to be a part of that. And I think there's some really, really interesting options popping up out there and, and people are starting to think differently about it and contribute in their own way, I think, to that to that movement as well, that changing drinking culture. It totally is a movement, man. Yeah, and... To me, it, it, it's it's exciting, you know, because I don't know. I just see what you guys are doing, and I see as a, as a global community a transition to more renewable energy and looking after the environment and electric cars and these kind of things. And it just feels good, <laughs> you know. I could try and intellectualize it, but it just feels like a, a positive step. Um, and it just, it's, I think it's really cool and it is a movement and, and, and the fact that big companies like Heineken and the likes are, are talking about it and, and are bullish about it, I think is really, really cool. And I'm excited to watch this space and see how it kind of unfolds. Um, now, I might put my foot in it here, but what drinks are you guys kind of working on at the moment? Are you still sticking with beer? Are you ex- getting out of that and trying some other things? I'm, I'm curious. We, we're sticking with beer for now. I think there's so much more that we can do just in beer and, and we don't want to try and be too many things. So, yeah, the, the, we're, we're looking forward to releasing more beers in the next um, year. And, yeah, I think just probably looping back around to your kind of early point around, you know, having some fun, that's, that's sort of really, really important to us and, um you know, we don't we don't want to take ourselves too seriously, and I think that's really important when you're talking about a movement. Like so often, when you start talking in that sort of language, you know, people think it's this big serious thing, and and for us, it's so important first and foremost to be a fun brand, like a fun beer brand. Like the, the non-alcoholic thing is secondary; it's like a feature mm. of of the product, and we, we have a lot of fun every day um, just just working on the business and. You know, hopefully that comes through in some of the films that we've put out there, like um, the Dutch Courage film that we released recently, and um, and just the, some of the you know some of the ways that we kind of um, connect with our community. But yeah, I think just just having fun with it, not taking ourselves too seriously, and even you know down to the name that was really where that was born as well. There was when we launched, there was nothing normal about a non-alcoholic beer, and so rather than sort of, you know, come out with another, you know, product called, you know, zero beer. Um, <laughs> we, we, we just wanted to have some fun and, and, you know, lean into the fact that people thought, some people thought that, you know, non-alcoholic beer was a bit weird. And, mm. and we thought, you know, the stuff that's weird is what makes us all interesting. And so let's just lean into it. Let's call it heaps normal. Let's, let's normalise mindful drinking but let's normalize other shit that we care about too like let's normalize you know being a responsible business um when it comes to the planet let's let's normalize paying artists properly let's normalize Mm. equality in our workplace and and in our industry um and try and shift the gender balance there and and, you know just all that stuff that i don't you know we don't necessarily talk about uh, you know publicly all the time or put it up on our socials but it's just that's it's stuff that's in our minds and that we're that we're thinking about um, and that has been part of the the whole kind of um, I guess inspiration behind starting Heaps Normal and, and the kind of brand that we want it to be. Yeah, that's cool, man. What's it like? What's it like to work at Heaps Normal? <laughs> I hope it's good. Um, we, we've, <laughs> we've 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 worked at some great great places and great organisations, and we've worked at some ones where we, you know, didn't have such a great time. And we, Benny, Pete and I have all, have all genuinely sat around, you know, putting a lot of you know, time and energy and, and discussion into trying to work out what it is that makes a fun place to work 
So I hope that at least in some sense we've now we've we've tried to kind of create a culture that is really flexible. You know, allows you to kind of be whoever you are, and 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 also I think to acknowledge that people, you know, you can't just resource like you can't just be productive a hundred percent of the time. You need to create space um, for life, you know, and for and for different lifestyles, like of people in our team different different individuals as well around you know working in different ways and being productive in different ways so we've you know tangible examples around like um our hybrid workplace um so remote first work environment and an extra paid week of leave every year and mental health services and sort of um, professional professional psychology services that, that we sort of pay for for our team but then also like the, the kicker at the end is, is this sort of little rule of thumb that we have for ourselves with anything that we're working on where if we're not having fun doing it, if we're not having fun making it, then we, we really need to question why we're doing it at all or why we're doing it that way because um, I think if we're having fun, then you know, the, the things that we're putting out there, you know, other people are going to enjoy too. Mm. I love that. It is about fun, man. Like <laughs> I often joke to Kristen, I say we'll be watching TV and a beer ad will come on. I often say to her, I'm like, if I'm ever not found space a CEO, if I'm ever for whatever reason not in this business anymore, I want to be a beer marketer because I swear they're having <laughs> the best fucking time when they are making those ads, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, definitely. I think beer ads are traditionally in in the history of advertising, they have to be the most fun ads ever made. You know, the, there's some classic Australian examples. And um, yeah, I think um, if you're ever looking for a job, mate, please, so we'd be honoured to have you come and uh, be, be a BM, fulfil your kind of maybe childhood dream of being a beer marketer. <laughs> you're too kind. Yeah, man. They, yeah, it looks like a good time. <laughs> Um, oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. So um, if people want to find out more about Heaps Normal or if people want to find out a bit more about yourself, where can they do that? We're working on some some fun new um, places on the heapsnormal.com website um, for people to kind of um, learn a little bit more about the stuff that we're interested in and people in our community. And, yeah, if people want to learn more about me, I don't know if, if that's really a thing. <laughs> but, um, but uh, yeah, oh, shoot me an email, give me a call. My, my number and my details are pretty widely um, available. Yeah, you'll find it pretty easy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, we always love hearing um, people's stories and, and how, you know, the, the different ways that, that um, you know, heaps normal or, or non-alcoholic beer is, is sort of is playing a part in, in their own individual lifestyle so we, we we get a lot of those stories from people in our community and and it never gets old it's it's super exciting to to connect with them with people at that on that level so yeah if you if you want to reach out we're always keen to hear from you beautiful well andy thank you so much for coming on the podcast mate it's been a, an absolute pleasure thanks alex really appreciate it If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review and subscribe to stay up to date with the latest episodes.